Adnan Ibrahim has been through an incredibly transformative time recently. He set up a website, collective, YouTube channel called Car Throttle. And I first started working with him probably about six or seven years ago. Since then, he's gone on to work with a load of car brands, a load of brands looking to reach male, young male audiences. And to top it all off, he's a really nice bloke. Um, what better way could we start a new year, and happy new year by the way everyone, on rocket fuel, than talking to Adnan. We found out a little bit about his journey, about how he's recently sold Car Throttle to a quote-unquote traditional publishing business in Dennis Publishing. We asked him about what his role, what his business encompasses, and then we dug down a bit. We asked Adnan Ibrahim from Car Throttle for his rocket fuel. So, Adnan, first thing, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, yeah. I, I, we know each other. We first met, what, 2013, 2012, maybe? Yeah, I think it was at the, the beginning of our car fossil journey. So, yeah, a bit so, of a while ago. So, take us on that journey, then. What has your journey been? And, and tell us how, how you've moved and how, how things have changed, both with you and with car throttle. Yeah, so I started life online when I was 15, 16, always tinkering, messing around with websites and really building communities. The first one, Blogtrepreneur, was a community I built and sold before my 18th birthday. And then I founded Car Throttle based on this premise that a new generation of car fans was coming online um, and they were consuming content in a different way, digital and actually social media first. And so we set out to build the top gear for the Facebook generation Fast forward six, seven years, and we now have 15 million followers across those social platforms. We built the number one UK car channel, two and a half million subscribers on YouTube. Um, and we work with amazing brands like Mercedes-Benz, Red Bull, um, Nissan, McLaren, the list goes on. But um, yeah, we've had a pretty incredible journey. And you know, we started as outsiders of the industry, really. Hello, and welcome to a special one-off car throttle video with Shell V-Power. Today, we're gonna to be helping one of our fans get their beloved project car through a previously failed MOT and back on the road. And the top gear for the Facebook generation, that was your moniker, was it? It, it seems remarkably simple. I thought it might have been some lazy journalist along the, along the way, but that's one of your own, is it? Yeah, it's definitely something that was easy to translate, especially when we were talking to early employees, investors. Um, it just gives a sense of scale, top gear, was is a global brand with global distribution and you know we thought we could be the same with the power of social media um next question in this section i just want to kind of look at whether you're any good at switching off because you're a busy man you've you've built this business from scratch are you any good at switching off no okay <laughs> i'm rubbish so, at switching off that's so probably my biggest flaw you're always checking your emails you're yeah. always how does that manifest itself you get told off when you're on holiday how what happens i just always get told that i'm looking down at my phone <laughs> all the time um i have a real disgusting need to cycle through apps to just check to see if something's happened whether it's refreshing inbox looking at slack going on Instagram, looking at DMs, um, it's unhealthy. I, I think it's a flaw, as I said. I think um, whilst it's great for driving the business forward and it's great for you know always making sure that things are happening and things are moving, it probably has affected me personally in a way that 
Um, I'm only starting to realize now later on in life. But would I have changed that going back? Probably not. I think there's a time when you can do it. And I think whilst I didn't have responsibilities when I was in my early 20s, I was able to, you know, go out and 24-7 be on, right. even on weekends. You know, I would sacrifice um, meeting friends, for example, or relationships or family for, you know, business. But now I've managed to swing it back again. Okay, so you've got the balance back. How do you relax? Um, I relax by seeing people. You know, okay. I, I have, I'd say, a fairly active social life of just hanging out with, with mates, shooting the mm. going out. Um, but also, <laughs> I've said this to a couple of people as well, I like to watch a couple of mind-numbing shows. I find that that's a way... Go on, to give me examples. I've got some... Well, Love Island. Okay, classic. yeah. I'm a big Love Island fan. <laughs> and it's just the way that for an hour you can go there and watch silly people doing silly things but it's quite entertaining and frankly it numbs my brain and I don't think for an hour and actually it's therapeutic. More recently though I've kind of started more meditation. So obviously Headspace Calm are really big apps in mm. the space right now. It's an area that I'm really interested in um, and yeah I kind of try and force myself to just to, re- to sit down and even if it's at night five minutes Headspace just to you know focus. We're going to come on to Carl Throttle in the second section of the interview, but just give us a flavour of the scope of your role. What's involved in, in the day-to-day now and what has been involved in the day-to-day up until this point? Um, now and up until this point, pretty much the same things, okay. even, even post-acquisition. Um, I mean, there are kind of a couple of main things that the CEO um, needs to focus on, which is, do you have the right people? Do you have enough money to do what you need to do? And does everyone know what the vision is and where where are you going? Um, and so for me, it was focused around, right, from a money point of view, uh, are we selling and are we growing our sales? And thankfully with Carthons, every single year we grew by a significant percentage in terms of top line revenue um, and also raising money. Um, so liaising with investors, which is always never ending, but you know, you've got partners that have supported you on your journey. The vision, where are we going? And clearly the vision stays the same, but the way that you get to that vision changes all the time. You know, the market changes. Um, You try something out and it doesn't work and you have to go back to the drawing board. And then it's about the people. Um, Are they being as effective as they can? Have you removed enough roadblocks? Um, What are they struggling with? What are they doing really well at? Where do we need to hire? And it's kind of a similar similar, um, thing here. And final question in this section, what do you think you're known for? And do you, does that matter to you? Uh, known for internally or externally? Because I feel like they're quite, mm, they're, yeah. they're different things. And a good point. Um, mm. I think the kind of, the external perception of me is hopefully someone that has challenged convention, someone that isn't afraid to do stuff. I mean, there are so many examples of that when we have launched things that didn't work. And I would always look at the things that didn't work because I think that's a better indicator of how fearless you are. Um, but yeah, I'd like to say people would consider myself to be, you know, fearless in terms of going out there and internally, hopefully effective. You know, when we set our minds to do something, we go and do it. There have been very few cases where we've internally wanted to go and do something and we haven't done it, um, or there have been very good reasons as to why. So when we're laser locked onto a target, effectiveness at basically driving and, and you know, getting it done.
Adnan is still here with us. Um, we're going to go on to talk about Car Throttle, the brand. Let's start with a big question. What job does the brand do for the audience and what job does the brand do for your commercial partners? Sure. So the job that Car Throttle does for the audience, um, and we do consider Car Throttle as, a, I guess, a bit of a marketplace because you've got the supply and demand. Um, for us, the demand of Car Throttle is always around great, entertaining, educational content. So what we do is we deliver regular content to users that are interested in cars, car culture, and we deliver it where they are, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, websites. Um, we like to consider ourselves to be cross-platform in nature. And then what we deliver to brands is essentially access to that audience and understanding of social media. And I think you'd consider brands in 2019 to be very clued up on how social media works. But the fundamental philosophy is that social media is ever-changing and actually brands haven't invested enough in understanding social media to be effective to drive an action for them, whether it's a test drive request for a car, whether it's branding for a new vehicle they've released or new products they've released, or whether it's actually content for their own social channels. We worked together years ago on, on with two things that I remember. There were probably others, but one was a brand for 3M, another was actually working with Audible and audiobooks. And both things were wildly successful. Did it take that, i.e. success, by whatever metrics, for brands to purely get it? Or did you think brands were accepting? How, how long did it take people to understand the job you could do for them? It's taken a while. I yeah. mean, really, social media sales, I would say in 2017-18 was when it first hit its inflection point, And we saw people actually starting to spend vast sums of money on Facebook, Instagram, and then by nature, the providers that would help them onto those platforms as well. So in the early days, we definitely needed case studies to snowball us. And I remember the 3M um, <laughs> video that we did and the Audible integration we had within, I think it was a two guys, one car episode mm. on YouTube. Um, and those were you know, hugely helpful for us to go to the market and say, actually, we've got a big brand like 3M who have trusted us to take their brand to market and here's the result and they got hundreds of thousands of views. We've, we've had to you know, build case studies to be able to get a Mercedes-Benz, which we did at the beginning of this year. Are you in the influencer marketing bubble? Do you see yourself as slightly outside of that? Do you see yourself as doing a different job? I suppose, yeah, have, where are you in that kind of budgeting and that kind of space. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. Some brands look at us as influencers. Yeah. So we will be tied up within an influencer marketing budget, but we never pitch ourselves as influencers. We would always pitch ourselves as a social agency first because we actually believe that we also can do the job of an influencer. Plus, we sometimes bring influencers into our own campaigns as well. Um, and also, I don't like the, the kind of the single mind and nature of an influencer, which, you know, frankly, in some cases, doesn't actually help brands deliver against their core objectives. We really go in to talk to brands looking to achieve something, whether it is an action or a lift or sales, which has become increasingly more of a focus for us as well. So we'll take the money. If people yeah. want us to be influencers, we will be, but we don't pitch ourselves. Let's break it down for the, for the benefit of the listeners. So Car Fottle is a, a series of different channels. You're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, you're, you're in other social destinations. And there users can consume your content on a regular basis. So that would be 
like an influencer, if you like, or like a media brand. Yeah. But there's another part of the business as well, isn't there, where you're a content studio, is that right? That's exactly it. So we, we through the shop window of mm. showing people how good our content is and the fact that we get millions of views on YouTube and Instagram and across the board, um, we can then say to a brand, actually, do you want us to create content for you? I guess as a white label proposition. And we have examples where we do that in the market. Um, and again, famously this year, beginning of this year with Mercedes-Benz, we produced a series with them called Project Retro Rally. And that was six episodes for Car Fossil, six episodes that were essentially white labeled that lived on the Mercedes-Benz global YouTube channel. And we grew their channel by 50,000 subscribers over the course of six weeks. Wow, okay. So you're, you're part content studio, part media brand, if you like. Exactly. What defines the brand then? Things that you do or things that you don't do? I'm, I'm a simple man, so let's stick with the Top Gear moniker. There's been Top Gear live. Have I missed Car Throttle live? Do you, do, where are the brand extensions and, and, and are you always considering new opportunities? You, you know, one of the, I'd, I say, not mistakes, but realizations early on was that you can't do too much. Okay. We tried to be, um, in the early days, a platform for car enthusiasts and we had our own tech product. and. You know, frankly, the Facebook for cars is just Facebook. <laughs> um, and so we went through a journey of trying lots of things. I'm now a core believer in true laser-like focus. And I've seen it with other businesses that my friends have built, where if you do one thing extremely well, actually you'll be more successful than if you spread yourself too thin. And we've definitely spread ourselves too thin over the history of the business. Um, but there have been things that we've done extremely well. You know, brand extensions. Well, we acquired a brand, WTF1, in 2016. Of course. Yeah. It wasn't an extension, actually, so much as a, um, a growth of the existing model. Um, and that's gone on to now be the most popular social motorsports brand in, in an area where actually there wasn't a motorsports brand that existed on social. And, you know, we have drivers regularly interacting. You know, Charles Leclerc, that won um, the Italian Grand Prix, he just reposted one of the videos that we did about him and he talks to the team and um, we're really well liked on the grid. So this, that's a good example of where, okay, we might not have had a TV show, we've explored it. We've done some events in the past, been successful, car meets, but the core focus is we're a content creator. Talk to me about that acquisition because I'm fascinated by it. Why do you theorize it's done so well? Because it was a great existing property and you've added some of your social magic to it. Is it, yeah. is it that simple? It was as simple as we had known Tommy, who's a founder of WTF1, and it was a really good blog and Twitter community, but it had no video and it didn't really do much in the way of um, kind of sales to brands. Okay. But as we know, motorsports, not just Formula One, but Formula E, all the other motorsports, WRC, WRX, they're, they're growing. Um, and actually, we saw the opportunity in the same way as Car Throttle. You know, what does the next big, um, you know, Formula One TV or motorsport network look like uh, on social media? And, and that was the brand that we said, right, if we applied our secret sauce of how to do video, <laughs> sprinkled that on top, that could be the brand. So really, it was a case of use what we learned from Car Throttle and apply it to that brand. This isn't in my list of questions, but I want to talk about your secret source of how to do your videos, yeah. <laughs> seeing as you mentioned it. Yeah. Give us the flavor, the, the balance from science versus art. Do you mm -hmm. literally look at by two minutes, we need to have done this to keep them hooked? Are you, are you a slave to the algorithm to not quite quote Grace Jones? How does, how does that work? Um, we're very pragmatic. I'd say it's still 50-50 science to art, I think. 
we, have, we are the audience. So fundamentally, we know what content we would want to watch and we translate that into audience uh, content everyone else wants to watch. But having said that, we will look at were we trending with this particular type of video. A good example is actually um, Alex and team did a series of car challenge videos. So the first one, I believe, was a 250 pound car challenge. So you have 250 pounds there. You also have eight hours. In that time, you have to source a car, buy the car, get down to West Wittering Beach. In that 250 pounds, you've also got to get buy the fuel to get you there. And you've also got to use that money to get three of us a barbecue. That doesn't include Jack though, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and that got, I think it was something like 2 million, and uh, 1.6 million views in the first month. So then they carried that on and they did 500 pound car challenge, a thousand pounds sports car challenge. They've just filmed another car challenge. Uh, they did the same with Living With. They did Living With a Hummer, got 2.7 million views, just trending number two on YouTube in the UK. Wow. Um, so we do look at um, content, same with Facebook and Instagram. What's performing well? Long form content, because that's getting more views on Instagram TV. So then we'll double down on long form. But then intuitively we know what kind of content we would want to produce. So it's a bit of both. Okay. Um, let's jump around though. I'd love to talk about who you see as your competitors and whether that's changed. Mm -hmm. Are you are you looking at other motoring titles? Have you have you always got piston heads up on your on your desktop, a drive tribe on your social media feeds, or do you think it's more broader than that? I think it's broader than that. I think um, if I'm really honest, I don't really browse competitor sites at all. Um, I am very focused about what we need to do and what we need to execute. I think you can spend a lot of time looking at competitors and worry about what they're doing, which we have done in the past. Um, or you can actually look at the bigger macro picture, which is fundamentally we're competing for screen time, Yeah. right? As a media publisher, as a YouTube provider, my competitors aren't just auto channels, they are uh, vloggers, they are entertainment, they are James Corden, they are a, a number of different things um, that actually means that we can't, um, we can't uh, go and look at the rest of the market. So um, we really look at Netflix, iPlayer, as competitors to what we're doing. And I don't really focus on the detail as much because it's not productive. Okay. Um, just a couple more questions in this bit as we're getting to understand the Car Throttle brand. We define youth um, as everything from Generation Alpha, Gen Z to Millennials. How old are your audience? And do you, do you almost put them into subsectors and talk to different age groups? Or is it more tribal than that? How do you talk to the audience and how much of a factor is age? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we are 75% 18 to 34. Okay. Core demo. Um, when we're on platforms like uh, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube, we talk to everyone as if they are a car enthusiast, no matter the geography, no matter the age. We believe that all car enthusiasts have this same innate burning desire to own a certain vehicle or to modify their vehicle or to get somewhere on a journey. However, when we do um, advertising based campaigns, we can slice and dice that audience for different brands. So whether it's McLaren looking to target people that are 45 plus with a certain household income above X who have interests in X, we can do that because we have the scale of the audience. So um, it depends on the whole. There is a tribe of enthusiasts and we've built that connection with them because we are them. Okay. Um, final question this bit and I'd be told that I was stupid if I didn't ask some questions on this. And that is, 
you've recently been a, through a huge professional commercial event and that you've been acquired by a traditional media behemoth, I'm using those words deliberately for you to shoot them down, in Dennis Publishing. Talk to us about that process and talk to us about why now you've decided to sell. Yeah, bring that to life for us. Yeah, definitely. And I think I'll shoot you down instantly because um, Dennis Publishing would consider themselves to be a digital first company now. Okay. And, and of course, they have the traditional print magazines. Um, clearly, they have been market leaders for quite some time with Auto Express, Car Buyer, Evo, um, Buy a Car, which actually, if you're not aware, you can actually buy a second-hand car um, on buyacar.com. Yeah. And the reason why it made sense for us, um, we are always looking at the bigger picture, growth opportunities. And Dennis Publishing were actually one of the very few successful uh, digital publishing companies, uh, at least in the UK. Mm. Um, and it was clear that they are you know, wanting to really build the end-to-end -end proposition in automotive. And by that, building everything from the awareness of the vehicle through to the purchase of the vehicle. And so for us, we actually slotted in very nicely because I think, as they would admit, their understanding of social media is limited, yet they are talking to big brands every day that are wanting to understand social media and video content. And for us, it was very clear fit that actually this is a, a company that has prestige. And, you know, frankly, we don't work with every single OEM brand in the UK. And would I want to? Yes. That's Forgive me, OEM. Sorry. Original equipment manufacturer. Let's have a manufacturer like Ford. Okay. We don't traditionally do a lot of work with Ford. Dennis Publishing does a hell of a lot of work with Ford. Could that help us open doors? Yes. Could it mean that we offer something new to the Dennis Publishing suite of brands? 100%. So that I can see, but you're, you're being acquired, so mm -hmm. there's, there's a, almost a, a commercial consideration to do the best for your investors, for your shareholders. You're also, if, if I were to cut you, you would bleed car throttle. Mm -hmm. How... How do you seek reassurances during that process that you're not going to be Evo car throttle and the two logos are going to be merged and it's going to be an awful clunky partnership? How do you have those sort of conversations? Yeah, I mean, look, it was, it's, it's pretty easy because we sat down with the executive team, James CEO sitting outside, <laughs> and um, they just were really honest with us. And I think that was what we valued with Dennis Publishing, which was actually we want you to exist as Car Throttle and as WTF1, because the value that you've created is in the fact that your audience knows you as Car Throttle and WTF1, and actually it would be very short-sighted to start to merge brands together. However, there are learnings that they have that we need to put into our business, and likewise, there are learnings that we have that can get pulled into the wider portfolio within Dennis Publishing. So through that process, yes, you know, cut me in half and <laughs> car throttle I've been doing for all of my 20s. But at the same time, we're still on a journey ourselves within the business. And actually part of that journey is how do we reach, going back to that top gear for the Facebook generation analogy. Yeah. If you're walking down the street, has everyone heard of car throttle? No. Do the enthusiasts know about car throttle? Yes. How do we start to get into the mainstream where actually if you ask someone, have you heard of Auto Express or seen that magazine? They would probably say, yeah, actually, I do remember seeing that in the mm. magazine. I might not have picked it up in the news agent, but I've seen it. We want to get there. And actually, fundamentally, I trust the fact that this is going to help us get there. And for me, that's just as important. It's the growth journey. 
How much, personally, of a media geek are you? Was Dennis Publishing coming knocking on your door a thrill? Was there a certain excitement in that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been tracking the industry, and as I, I think I told you before, we, we've known the team um, at Dennis for a while now. Um, you know, I first met Pete, the Chief Digital Officer, back in 2013, 14, and he saw us go through our different phases. So um, I've seen them grow as much as they've seen us grow. And, um, you know, that was kind of one of the things that really attracted me to it was the fact that we're both on a journey together. And they got acquired by Exponent, private equity company at the yeah. beginning of the year. And likewise, their shift to digital meant that we're all on the same page. So, um, yeah, it was kind of we, we, we've, we've fallen in love with each other, really, over the last couple of years. And, yeah, for sure, I've respected them from afar for a long time. And thus far, you're two months in and it's been hands off on their part or it's been holding hands together for the sake of no, it, it's definitely together. I mean, as I said, we, we I want to learn from them. Yeah. And actually, there are so many different areas here which are, which are exciting. For example... They have an audience development team just focused on analytics and numbers. We had a couple of us <laughs> sometimes <laughs> delving into the stats and the numbers when we needed to. Yeah. <clears throat> they have a sales team that can have the relationships that, you know, we want to pitch and do this amazing project build series, let's say in Q4. Now, previously, we wouldn't have been able to do it, frankly. We didn't have the budget to do it. Now I can go downstairs and go, actually, we want to do this particular series with this particular brand. Can you help us get in the door? Boom, it's done within an hour. So it's just, you know, hand in hand, we help each other. Were there other dalliances over the years? Did, were, were you an acquisition target of other people on the way? And were, there, were, there, were you tempted, I suppose? I can answer this because it's, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in kind of openness, frankness, honesty. Of course, we raised money over the, over the five, six years that we were in the market raising money. Um, there are, there are always people looking to chat. And part of my job is you have chats with everyone. And it's the same when you're raising money. You know, we've been continuously raising money um, because it's, a, it's what a CEO does. You have to look at, do you have enough cash to achieve certain goals? And frankly, it's all about how do you get to the end part of the journey? So these, the short and quick answer is you're always exploring opportunity. And likewise, we've always been exploring opportunities. And there's never been a time where I'm not exploring an opportunity on the sales side, on the content side, on the commercial side. Um, so yeah. Okay, last section with Adnan. Um, and this is where we come on to talk for our, for the benefit of the listeners, the people that are working in youth marketing, youth culture, youth media, youth tech. And we kind of want to speak to people just like you, Adnan, to get actionable insights, things that we can glean from you that people can apply to their daily lives and their, their daily working lives. Let's start with your, your rocket fuel. And what do you know about young audiences? <laughs> um, I'd like to consider myself to be fairly in tune, although having said that, I'm nearly 30. I'm, Goodness. I'm, I'm 30 next year, so I don't know if I'm... Uh, going to still be part of the youth media segment anymore, but um, I think there's, there are a couple of characteristics that define youth, um, and I use that term broadly because I think that even when I am mid-30s, I will still be part of that generation, which is looking at memes on Instagram. I think that's become just part of the, the daily lexicon. Um, they know everything. I'd say never underestimate the knowledge that 
a young consumer has. They can see through things very easily. You have to talk to them in a way that's non-condescending, in a way that they it's relatable. And actually what's made Car Throttle so successful is the fact that it's relatable content. We understand the audience because we are the audience. Um, but also young youth audiences are fickle. You know, They can be fixated on the next flashy, shiny new thing. And that's something that you have to contend with. Um, we haven't seen any new big social platforms come up in the last couple of years. The only exception to that I would say is TikTok. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even then, I don't think TikTok has and maybe will reach mainstream audiences. And again, you liken it going down to the pub. How, who in the pub has heard of TikTok? I would say not many people. No, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, so everything's changing and it's in a constant state of flux. However, they are loyal. And I think that's the final characteristic, which is once you've locked in that relatability, um, you will get loyalty and you build loyalty over time. What, in an age of brand purpose, what do you think is important to young audiences? You've mentioned authenticity, you've mentioned loyalty, perhaps that covers it. Is there anything else that you think is important? Um, I think there will be issues that will become important over the next couple of years. The first is, um, how do you make these young audiences feel? I think there are many brands that exist today that actually don't make you feel so good about yourself, and there are many that do. And I think actually what we found is that the ones that make you feel good are um, actually not the prestige media brands. They might be those meme accounts. They might be those influencers that are focused on positivity. Um, and I think I touched on this before, I think mental health will start to become one of the most important and necessary topics that people will need to address to youth audiences over the next five years. Because let's face it, as we're part of this world, um, social media can't, isn't, isn't always the best thing in the same way that people said that TV isn't always the best thing, and it's not. You know, addiction to social media has become a very real thing. Um, people feeling a certain way about themselves because of the glossy internet feeds that we see from other influencers um, and the way that makes them feel is, is a real problem. So how do you make people feel, I think, is a, is a big one. And also, can you add value in their lives? Can you help them make money? Can you help them save money? Can you help them find a job? Can you help them in relationships? These are the things that matter. Okay. What do you think has changed about the way youth audiences have behaved? And what do you think will change next in how youth audiences behave? Um, I think historically youth audiences have had a lot of um, new things, new shiny toys. Um, and when you know, I'd say the, the heyday of social media, which is, I guess, predominantly your youth platform, um, rise was 12, 2012 to 2015. And you had the growth of Instagram, growth of Snapchat, new tech, the growth of iPhone is really and Android really is your default um, phone providers. What you're seeing now is, I guess, a consolidation of, of players, media, could argue that our acquisition is consolidation mm. as well within the market, um, but also competition, fierce competition. You, you know, this is a, a probably a big area of interest for young consumers, but the number of content providers from an SVOD point of view. You've yeah. now got Netflix, you have uh, Apple TV uh, Plus that launched yesterday. Mm. Um, you have um, Disney Plus, which is launching very soon. Uh, you're gonna have, you know, you've got your Spotify subscription. There are so many of these subscription services that actually, I think the next thing is 
does your life become a subscription? What are the next services that you're going to need in that yeah. subscription economy? Will there be too many content providers? Will it fragment again in the way that it's consolidated now into like Netflix? It's really your only option of getting quality content. But everyone is commissioning great content now. So um, there will be more change coming. I think we hit a dip in 2017 to 19 of new shiny things. I think in 2020 onwards, that will go back again to new shiny things because it's now trying to grab market again. Okay. And final question, just one takeaway for everybody listening. That's an easy one for me. Just do it. <laughs> I hate to, to steal the Nike uh, slogan, but um, I see too many people that come to me and you know they have ideas, but they never execute on their ideas. And really, and we, we touched on this earlier, you know, an idea doesn't need to be executed in a perfect way. You don't need to you know, spend ages building something and getting feedback and launching. It's all about launching with a little. Can you prove a concept with no money, no funding? I did that. You know, I launched Car Throttle with a free domain name because I managed to get a free domain name with a coupon code, um, with free hosting, um, with free content that I created, with free video. And that was it. I spent max in the first couple of years, a couple of grand, and that was you know, advertiser cash that we managed to reinvest. You don't need money. Um, and I think that's a mistake that people make now, which is thinking, I need to launch a startup, so I need to hire an engineering team, I need to raise 200 grand. No, if you're doing that, you're doing it the wrong way. <laughs> First, you need validation that what you're launching is the right thing. So go out there and do it. Finally, Adam, how can people get in touch with you if indeed you want them to get in touch with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, um, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram at adnanr35. Um, and I'm always looking at DMs if there are questions and people needing advice. Always happy to help people there. So that's the easiest way. Cool. Adnan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, James. I hope you agree that was a great chat, fascinating conversation, a really awesome guest. If you enjoyed it, let us know. You can get in touch with us across all socials at We Are Rocket or with me directly at James Erskine on Twitter. For more, tune in next week. We're still in our first season. We're still kind of evolving what we're going to try and do. We know that we want to learn from people in the youth culture, youth marketing space to establish what their rocket fuel is. Give us a five-star review, share the podcast, and tune in again next week. Thanks for listening. This is a Rocket Audio production.